everyone. Thanks for checking out the Citizens Podcast. We are the high school student ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Sundays at 11 a.m. in the student wing. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you posted it on your Instagram story and tag at NBC Citizens. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy. I do want to start a brand new series with you guys. This series will be entitled The Ten Commandments. And if you could take a wild guess, what do you think this series is going to be about? <laughs> Close. No, The Ten Commandments, um, obviously. Um, well, this morning, before we start, um, and really before we start is really the big idea here with, uh, this, uh, with this first meeting this morning. I do want to just go over the Ten Commandments with you, right? Does anybody here know the Ten Commandments by heart? Anybody? Yeah? In order? Yeah. I, I don't blame you if you don't. Uh, it, it's not, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to get on anybody's case here. But my objective, my goal is that as we go through this series, by the end, you will know the Ten Commandments, and you will know them in order. And so... This morning, what I did want to do is uh, present you guys with this little, um, well, not this little, but several little illustrations that will help you to remember, hopefully, the Ten Commandments in the order. Now, some of these, I must admit, are pretty egregious. Um, the examples here may be a stretch. I ask that you follow along with me. And also, please don't slander me because my friend created this. Okay, so if you're like, oh, no, that doesn't make sense. I agree to some extent, but you'll still find uh, some kind of comic relief in it, uh, comedic relief in it potentially, and that'll help you remember it. So uh, for, the, for the beginning of the series, let me go over this, and then we'll, we'll do this for the next couple of weeks to see if you guys remember, um, and I'll ask you guys, maybe as a group, ask you guys individually, see if anybody can remember it, and uh, recount this, all right? So number one. Um, Medius, uh, that's my friend. Mateus, you can blame him if you don't get this. Number one, what do you think the first commandment is? Does anybody know? I think it is, um, thou shalt not lie. It is not. It is not that. Nobody, JB. Huh? Correct. Now, JB, you're right. No other gods before me. You want to know how you know this one? This one is an act, this one's a layup. This one's really easy. Number one is number one, right? Who's number one in our lives? God. You should have no other gods before me, right? Pretty straightforward. That one is easy. It's not really that difficult. Number one is number one. The number one in our lives. No other gods before me, right? He is number one. That is the position that God takes. Pretty straightforward. Now, number two. We're going to start to get a little bit crazier here with everyone that goes by. Number two. Does anybody know what number two is? Chase. No, that is not correct. You're thinking of something else, and we'll talk about that. No idols. Correct. No idols. Now, how do I remember that number two is you shall not make idols? Well, if you really look closely, the number two looks like somebody... Bowing down, no? Imagine an individual. If I were to stand like this, I kind of look like the number two. So, this is a person's head right here. He is bowing down. What do you bow down to? 
It's a, like something that you're worshiping, right? Potentially an idol. That's a no-no. You should not bow down to any other idols, right? So you make no idols. Y'all shall make no idols. That is number two. You following along here with me? Yes, of course you are. Number three. Number three. Anybody know what number three is? Good. Good job. <laughs> Levi. Well, um, let me tell you how you... Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me tell you how you memorize this one. What happens when you take the number three and you put a line right here? Becomes a B. It becomes a B. And what letter starts with a B? Blaspheme. Blaspheme is a letter... Oh, it's a word that starts with the letter B. Right? To blaspheme. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. When Jesus was crucified, why, why was he? Blasphemy. Because he was saying blasphemy. What is that? Taking the Lord's name in vain. Blasphemy. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Blaspheme, right? Three. Looks at the letter B. Think of the letter B. Think of the word blaspheme. That's what you don't do. You don't take the Lord's name in vain. We're pretty good. It's, it gets worse than this, so bear along with me here. The number four. How do you know the number four? Correct. Correct. Why is it Sabbath? Well, here's how you remember. Here's how you remember. What happens if I were to spin the number four? You just flick it on its side. It turns into this. What does that look like? A chair. Why do you sit in a chair? To rest. What is a famous day of rest, ladies and gentlemen? That's what my wife said. I don't remember the Sabbath day. Keep the Sabbath, right? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Think of a four flipped on its head to chair, rest, Sabbath. Perfect. Pretty straightforward. Nothing crazy so far, except now you're going to have to follow along with me because this one is a stretch. Number five. It's not on the screen yet. Perfect. Anybody know what number five is? Honor. Well, I mean, if you're pulling it up on your phone, it's not, that's not the, that's defeating the purpose. I want you to memorize this. Honor your father and mother. How, how, Pastor Brian, do I get to that with the number five? Well, it's simple. This is a pregnant lady. Right? You put her head here potentially, right? I'm just, that, forget this. Forget this. Forget this. Just think, of, just think of the belly. Just think of this part right here. The belly. When you think of a mother who is pregnant, you think of parents. Your parents. Honor them. Honor your parents. Um... Yeah, that, one, that one's a little bit more difficult, but um, you'll get it. Uh, I also, the other one I came up with is like that egregious, my wife said this one's even worse, but the egregious Christmas song that yells out five golden rings, right? I think of five, I think of rings, I think of a marriage, I think of parents. Um, I don't know, whatever helps you, remember that five is your parents that you should honor them. Five. Everybody, everybody's still with me? Yeah. 
We're good. Number six. Brooklyn, I'm proud of you. We'll, 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 we'll put that to the test in the coming weeks. Don't worry. Anybody know what number six is? Y'all shall not murder. Anybody know what six feet under means? They're in the grave. They're dead. Six, six feet under, dead, y'all shall not murder. Makes sense. That one is really easy. Again, another layup for you. Easy. Seven. Again, one of the egregious ones. Maybe one of the most egregious ones. What happens? <laughs> You're picking up what I'm putting down. You're thinking outside the box. See? You got... What, what, what letter does that kind of look like? A, li a little. Like, what if I took this and went like that instead? It's an A. Now, what's a word that begins with the letter A? Adultery. Number seven, logically, is you shall not commit adultery. The less time we spend on that one, the better, but you get it. Number eight. All right, well, okay, do not steal. Uh, growing up, this right here was, everybody drew these things all over the place. I don't know if you've ever even seen this thing. Um, anybody ever seen that? These S's? Right, so we just drew that all the time, but that's supposed to be an S. But what number does that also look like? A six? Does somebody say so? That's an eight, clearly. Um, but that looks like an eight. However, you can also do it this way. Just make two S's, like, we'll just put them back to back with each other, essentially, right? That also becomes an eight. But what is the big word that starts with an S here? Steal. Do not steal. Right, when you're thinking of the big S, uh, when it comes to the commandments, stealing, that's how you remember, right, this S that looks like an eight Number eight, you can pinpoint exactly where it is in that list. Do not steal. Do not steal is number eight. Number nine, one of the worst illustrations, but follow along with me here. What does this kind of look like? A what? What does that kind of look like? Now, what if I did this? What is that? Did somebody say a microphone? A microphone. A, mic a microphone. See? Kind of. See? Kind of. A little bit. A little bit. I, I, I never, listen, I never said it wasn't going to be kind of a stretch. Um, number nine, think of somehow a microphone. Um, but if you think of a microphone, this is why that's important. Because number nine is essentially you should not lie, but more specifically, it's you should not bear false witness. Again, right, what, what do you do when you're lying or you're bearing false witness? You're speaking, you're saying something that is not true. So again, when you think of that microphone, you think of speaking out. Uh, but think of speaking out and obviously in, in a false way. Do not bear false witness. Um, or if you just wanna draw a nine and put a bear face on it, too as well, that works. Whatever it is, whatever floats your boat. Hey, listen, it, it is what it is. That's not a big deal. Number nine, just remember it's that. Number 10, last one here, so we can actually get into this. Y'all shall not covet. You shall not covet. 
Now, this one is kind of easy as well. You should not covet. What is something that is 10 out of 10? If I say it's 10 out of 10. If I say something is 10 out of 10, what would, what would you say? It's the best. It's perfect, essentially, right? It's great. Now, what happens when... What happens when there's something that's really good and we see it, obviously, we want it. We want it, right? We desire it for ourselves. Number 10, follow along with me here. Stay with me. This is the last one. Number 10 is you shall not covet. Right? And that's easy to remember because typically you don't covet something that is not really great. If something's not good, you're not really going to want it. But if something is really good or you're jealous of it, you, you covet it. Um, it's usually 10 out of 10. It's usually something that you don't have, something that you really desire. 10 out of 10. So when you think of you shall not covet, you know it's the 10th one because of that rating system. Think of 10 out of 10, that rating, whatever. It'll help you remember where it is. You shall not covet. All right? Hopefully that helped. I don't know if it did. We'll find out if it did. But... We'll be going over that every week that we're together so you do remember. And when you share that with other people and they think you are, you are a lunatic, don't blame me, blame my friend. Let's go over these together. Number one, say with me, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make idols. Number three, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Number five, honor your father and mother. Number six, you shall not murder. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Number eight, you shall not steal. Number nine, you shall not bear false witness. And number ten, you shall not covet. Perfect. Wow. Amazing. The Ten Commandments. Those are the Ten Commandments. Uh, we're going to be looking over each one of them. But uh, when you look at Exodus chapter 20, where we see uh, those Ten Commandments, we find here one of perhaps the most famous sections of the Bible. Um, it's one of the most important pieces uh, of religious literature in uh, the entire world, right? The Ten Commandments. Now, Oddly enough, these Ten Commandments are not really known or understood or at least called, better yet, the Ten Commandments. They're not actually called that. Um, you have maybe like a chapter title in Scripture there that was placed there um, years later. But originally these, um, these commandments weren't known as that. Instead, if you look at the Hebrew expression, which occurs a few times in the Old Testament. I'll look at one this morning with you as an example in Exodus 34. It should be on the screen. It says this in verse 28. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. What it really says in the original language here is ten words. And so in Exodus 20, again, for this reason, is often known as the uh, Decalogue. Uh, Deca meaning... Uh, uh, ten in Greek, and then logos, uh, meaning uh, word. Uh, that's kind of the translation you have there uh, with uh, the Ten Commandments. Um, the Old Testament, however, 
uh, well, sorry, the uh, Ten Commandments or the Ten Words as we find in God's Word is critical to understanding um, really the laws that would come after, right? It was the beginning of like the handing down of laws, but it was certainly not the only ones to be established, right? So it was the beginning of many more that followed. If you look um, at Deuteronomy chapter 5, obviously God speaks to these people face to face, and they came to Mount Sinai, and amid fire, amid uh, this thick darkness, this cloud, a loud voice from heaven um, incites these, uh, these commandments, these ten words. And this becomes a really monumental, uh, uh, a, a, like a, a main moment in the history of this nation, right? A spiritual high. And so for that reason, it's not a surprise that they actually took those tablets and placed them in the Ark of the Covenant as we see in, in Scripture. But these laws really marked a, like I said, pivotal time in that nation's history. Um, and it was crucial to then understanding all the other laws that came after. There's over 600 laws that you read about in the Old Testament, but this was the foundation for those laws. God gives these laws as a foundation for the rest of them. It's almost like our Constitution, right? It's almost like the Constitution for us, it's the Constitution for Israel. It kind of sets the foundation for everything that follows it. Um, now, although it was important for them, obviously this was crucial for them in establishing their law, understanding what it is that God desired from them. Uh, I do also believe that, of course, God gave these specifically to the Israelites on Mount Sinai. I do think that these commands are also important for us to follow, right? It's important for us to adhere to, to understand, and that's why we're going over it. Um, we're taking time for the next couple of weeks to go through these one by one, look at them in, in greater depths, understand them, understand what it means, right? Um, what these words really mean in its original language, um, the nuances, the significance of this, right? The implications of what that meant in that context. And then taking that and applying it to us today. What does it mean? What is the significance for us in our own context? Um, but today, before we quickly... Um, jump into all this conversation about the Ten Commandments, I do want to set just the tone for our time moving forward um, and spend this morning really just prefacing all the things that we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks because this is really important for us um, as we get ready to step into something like this. Before you, before you try to jump into a series to understand the Ten Commandments, to apply them, right, to really understand them, to learn them so that we can then follow them properly. The first thing we have to do is, of course, check our hearts. And so this morning, um, I just want to spend some time challenging you um, because I think this is important before we go into detail here of what we should and shouldn't do before we seek to obey God, before we um, want to, you know, see what he says so that we can follow him um, do want us to ask ourselves to really take some time and see, okay, well, do I love and trust him? Do I love and trust God? Is, what does my relationship with God look like? Because I would say love and uh, trust, they precede obedience. Uh, love and trust precedes obedience. If you try to flip those things around, 
not only won't any of these things make any sense, it, it won't work. It doesn't work. If you just try to obey without love and trust, it's not going to work. That's the wrong order. The law was not given so that we could earn our salvation. Some people view Christianity as God has all these rules for us. They think of Christianity and they think of just limitations. They think of laws that people follow. Um, They think of commands like this. And they think that it's just adhering to these things, following this, almost just like a, a restrictive limit on life or what you can and what you can't do, right? Just do's and don'ts. Some people think, okay, well, if I follow these rules, God will love me and he will save me. However, if you look at the context of what is actually happening when these are actually given to God's people, you see that that's not what's happening at all. Um, The story of Exodus, right? The story of the Exodus of God's people from Egypt is not that. The Israelites, they were oppressed people. And as we heard this morning, there was nothing special about them. They were... um, just as bad as everybody else when God calls them, right? Uh, Abraham, an idol worshiper, right? And as you think, as time goes on, right, Moses um, even, the guy that God uses, before God speaks to him, what did he do? He, he out of anger, killed someone. God calls these people that were oppressed people, Sinners. And he says this, I hear your cry. I will save you because I love you. And when you are saved, free and forgiven, I'm going to give you a new way to live. See, salvation is not the reward for obedience. Salvation is the reason for obedience. So you don't obey in order to receive some kind of salvation. You obey from a place of salvation. God rescued them and then gave them the law. Didn't say, hey, if you follow this, you might get lucky and I'll rescue you. You guys tracking along? Love and trust, they precede obedience. They come before obedience. Um, We see that in our own lives. Uh, Jesus, when he came to this earth, he continues to speak on obedience. Jesus, he speaks of the proper source of obedience. He says it's not fear. And we talk about obeying commands, following rules, right? Sometimes we, our parents tell us to do something, and we do it, we would say, because we love them, but sometimes we do fear, and that might be part of it, right? We might fear the ramifications, the repercussions of it. But it's not, it's not that. It's not fear. That's not the main source. It's not pride either. The main source for proper obedience is love, right? In any, any facet, right? We, we think of love not just as a feeling, but an action, it's a response. Um, you obey because you love and you care. Um, the essence, here's something that Charles Spurgeon says, he says, the essence of obedience lies in the hearty love which prompts the deed rather than the deed itself. Jesus, he doesn't say, if you obey my commandments, I will love you. Instead, he first, when he is here on earth, he washes his disciples' feet. And then he says, after that, in John 14, verse 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. All of our doing is only because of what he has first done for us. That's important for us to understand, obviously, in light of Jesus' uh, sacrifice and love for us. As we approach the law, um, as we approach his commandments, everything that God calls us to in his word, to be set apart, we are called to be set apart. But the reason is, the reason why we adhere to what he calls us to, the reason why we follow what God says is because he first loved us. Because we love him, because we know that love, we then in turn obey. Because of our love, we obey. And because he first loved us, we can do that. When Jesus is speaking to his disciples, having just demonstrated this remarkable love to them, by washing their feet in in John chapter 13. He told them what their loving response should be, and that's to keep his commandments. So if you look here at kind of like a timeline of what's going on, he commanded them first to wash one another's feet after the example he just displayed. Then he commanded them to love one another after the pattern of his love to them. And he commanded them to put their faith in God, the Father, and Jesus himself, to trust in him. We think of uh, loving Jesus. It's easy for us to think of love as, again, this feeling, uh, the sentimental side, the emotional aspect of love, right? Kind of like that fuzzy feeling we get on the inside. Um, and it's easy to think of love in an emotional term, uh, as an emotional term. But although that passion, that's important and it's great, right? That feeling, that sensation. Is, is something that I would say is wonderful, right, uh, in terms of our relationship with Jesus, but it must always be connected to obedience, uh, keeping his commandments, or else it, it's not really love at all, right? Imagine, um, imagine if we say we love him, but we're like, oh, well, I'm not gonna do anything that you tell me. Is that really... Is that really what love looks like? When, when Jesus, and somebody was talking about this before, I think, Chase, you said it, um, and this is the passage you might have been referencing. When Jesus was approached by a lawyer uh, who wanted to ask him a question to test him in the New Testament, as you read through Matthew, I know some of you are reading Matthew right now, and you'll get here eventually. He asked, what is the most important command? And Jesus responded by saying this in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The most important thing, and above all else, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. The one thing we met uh, and we have before anything else we must do um, is to love the Lord our God with all our, heart, with all our heart, with all our soul, and all our mind. Again, the feelings that are associated with love are important. Um, but love is more than just a feeling. I said this before, but love really is an action. It's, it, it's something that you go out and then do. It, it's, pretty, it's evident. Um, so before we say, you know, I don't care for the laws, before you look at the rules that we put on the screen or... Not just the ones that are in the Ten Commandments, but everything else that you see in the Bible. 
before we look at any of the commands God gives, all the presets of God, all the principles that he has in his word, before we view those things with, um, with offense, before we get offended by these do's and don'ts, I want us to realize that the commandments, they not only show us what God wants, but it shows us who God is. Anytime you see God calling you to something, it's a reflection of who he is. It's a reflection of his own character. Again, we see that throughout Jesus' ministry. Jesus doesn't call anybody to something that he himself does not go and do himself and, and makes a way and, and proceeds or precedes them in that sense as well. Um, when you look at the commandments, for example, um, and again, everything else, but if you look specifically at the commandments, you see the commandments and how they speak to his honor, right? How they speak to his majesty, how the commandments speak to his worth. They tell us what matters to God because it's who he is. We can't disdain the law. We can't look at the law with anger and and say, oh, we love the lawgiver. It doesn't work that way. You can't look at what God is saying and how he calls us to live and say, well, I don't agree with that. I don't love that. But I love God. That doesn't make any sense. Because the one who gave the law himself, right, God, the laws are a reflection of him. It's not two mutually exclusive things, two separate things. And so when we approach God's law in this sense, or anything else in Scripture, we know that those are reflections of who he is. And as believers, disobedience is not only a failure of performance or a failure of strength. In some sense, it is also the failure of love. Those who love God must obey him most joyfully and naturally to say, I really love Jesus, but I'm going to do what I want. I just don't want him to tell me how to live my life. I don't want him to tell me what I can and what I can't do, but I really love Jesus. If your parents told you that, hey, go wash the dishes. Mom, I love you, but I am not going to do that. I have something better I must do with my time, and I know more than you. That doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't go, I don't know about your house, but that doesn't go well in my house. Um, um, but that's not how love works. Um, and again, it's important for us to understand that when we not just approach this section of Scripture, but I think everything else that you read in God's Word. Um, if, you, if you approach Scripture that way, that's a terrible misunderstanding of who God is and a terrible misunderstanding of your love for Him. Um, again, we see this in 1 John 5, 3, again, this idea of love uh, being reflected in keeping his commandments. And I like this passage because it talks about his commandments itself not being burdensome. It says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Again, we have, we have this temptation, or we often have this perspective on God's law and what he says for us to do. Um, we think of them as burdens sometimes, and maybe we don't feel like that, but maybe I, I know for a fact that the outside wor world might view it that way. 
and I've hinted at this before, but they see it as limitations, see it as restrictions, pro, like for prohibiting, right? Regulations. A lot of the times you'll look at the Ten Commandments and they go, well, this is constraining us. As if God has found a way to keep us in servitude and from realizing our dreams, our potentials, the targets we set out for our lives. But really, we forget, and people don't understand that God, what he really wants for you is an abundant life. In John 10, 10, we see that. And he wants to give you true freedom. The Ten Commandments, they aren't instructions on how to get out of Egypt. Right? His people are already out of Egypt. What he is doing with the Ten Commandments is showing these free people how to stay free. That's what the Ten Commandments is all about. God isn't trying to crush them with regulations. He's not trying to put restrictions and limitations on them to prevent them from having freedom, to prevent them from experiencing abundant life or true joy. No, he's doing the opposite, right? God's law, his Ten Commandments, aren't some kind of confinement or imprisonment. It's not a prison bar. It's not a jail cell. If anything, it's more like traffic laws, right? When you... When, you, when you're in the traffic, right, when you're, when you're in the moment, perhaps sometimes it's, it, it doesn't seem that way, like it's helpful, right? And there's also some Vin Diesels in the world that think, oh, the world would be a better place without traffic laws. Well, you, you might feel that for a second, but if you are actually thinking rationally and logically, you know that that's not true. Because of that, if you're thinking clearly, we have people that, that, that can drive every single day safely to some extent. Right? We have traffic laws to prevent uh, insanity from happening. People stop behind buses, and as, as crazy as that may be sometimes when you're trying to get somewhere, right, it, keeps, it keeps anybody from getting injured. It prevents uh, children from being injured. It provides safety for them. Not only that, but traffic lights. When you're crossing, the laws are there and put in place to help. Right, when you're driving through a mountain pass and you see guard railings on the side, you don't get mad at the guard railings. I mean, you might. You're, <laughs> I don't know why you would. But you're driving through a mountain pass and, you're, and you see somebody who's allocated resources, time, and, and put that there for your protection. Right, you're thankful, or at least you should be for those things. Sometimes you might not even appreciate or even think about it, but you're not going to be mad that those are there preventing your ultimate death. No. Someone put that there to provide you free um, and, and, and safe conditions. Ten Commandments weren't instructions to get people out of Egypt. They were rules for free people to stay free. But could they follow those rules perfectly? No. And as we look at our own context today, can we keep those commandments fully, perfectly? No. We don't. We're not perfect and exempt from breaking those things. You will. I have, and you have, and you will continue to do so. But do they serve to show us our sin and lead us back to the cross? Yes. Do they also show us a way to live, a way to love our neighbors, a way to love God with all our heart and soul and mind? Yes. The, the Ten Commandments, they are not just for those people then. It's also important for us today. Um, the world has changed in many respects. Um, obviously, things are different with Christ now having come. But the law wasn't completely trashed. It was transformed. We no longer keep the, 
Ten Commandments rightly unless we keep them in Christ, through Christ, and view all through the surpassing greatness of Christ. As new creations in Christ, the law is not only our duty, but also uh, our delight. But remember, again, as we kind of dive into this endeavor here of understanding these, before we obey it, we must first love and trust him, know him, spend time in his word, get to understand who God is, and love him and trust him before we actually want to obey him. That just makes sense. There's a a quote here that I'll end with, and it's from Charles Spurgeon. He says, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. You can read as many books as you want. Great authors, people that write great stuff about God's word. Great. Read the Bible. Live in the Bible. Know God. Trust him. Love him. And if you do that, if you understand that, and if you have a relationship with him, then you can obey him. You'll have the desire to obey him, and you'll delight in following the law. Because you're not obeying for salvation because you've been saved you obey if you love god you will keep his commandments let's pray dear Heavenly father lord thank you again for this time thank you for this day i pray lord that as we now consider the ten commandments as we consider your law lord that we would approach it rightly lord not understand these as regulations limitations and restrictions lord but as a way to live lord to serve you and commands that reflect who you are um lord i pray that we would see this and, and and delight in it, Lord, knowing that we, we love you, and because we love you, we, we can follow and, and live in the way that you desire for us. We pray all these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. All right, thank you guys.